How would you know? I wake up about lunchtime. <laughs> right. Time to wake Steve up a bit then. I, um, my topic uh, that Steve gave me was giving. And my subheading that I decided and I told Steve was, it's not about the money. Is there a song like that? Okay, it's not about the money anyway. And so I said to Steve, my subheading is going to be, it's not about the money. He said, well, if you're talking about giving, it is about the money, Bob, isn't it? And no, it's really not about the money. We'll come back to that as we go through. Um, but I, it is, has really challenged me looking into giving. Um, so it's going to be uh, interesting, I hope, for you and challenging this morning. Let's start uh, by reading some scripture. So if you want to turn to Matthew 6, I think the words will uh, come up behind me, uh, starting at verse 19 to verse 24. There we go. And uh, this is part uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, starting at verse 19. Uh, so it says, do, or Jesus said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth, moth nor rust rust. Oh, for goodness sake. It's been a long week. Right, let's try that again. Where were we? Uh, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We'll come back to that. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we want to just welcome you again this morning. Lord, that you will speak to us on this topic. Lord, help us to understand your heart for giving and your heart for us. Lord Jesus, will you give us open hearts and minds to what you're saying to us? at this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm coming back to that part that I emphasized in Matthew 6. And it says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, where your money is, where that thing that you hold really dear is, that's where your heart will be also. Now the word heart there is the Greek word cardia, and that's sort to be regarded as a seat of your feeling, your impulse, your affection, your desire. In other words, your focus is often where your treasure is. That's where it is. That's a measure of you, where you put your treasure. Now, I'm not, I don't know about you, what was your first Christian book that you read? This was mine, The Cross and the Switchblade. I'm sure many of you have read it, an absolutely amazing book. And this was the first time I heard about Christian giving. 
And let me read this chapter to you, or this little uh, passage to you. The context, as you may know, is Dave Wilkerson working, I think, in the 60s in uh, inner city New York. Um, He was a preacher who was called, he felt called to work with the gangs in New York. Um, And he says this, I met little Jojo the next day in Brooklyn. Jojo was pointed out to me as the president of the Coney Island Dragoons, one of the largest street gangs in the city. The boy who pointed him out wouldn't introduce us. Little Jojo might not like it, Dave. So I walked up to this boy alone and stuck out my hand. Jojo's first act was to slap me across the palm and then he leaned over and spit on my shoes. In the gangs, this is the highest sign of contempt. He walked away and sat down on a bench with his back to me. So I walked over and I sat beside him and I said, Jojo, where do you live? And he said, Preacher, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. He said, I want to have something to do with you. I'm going to stay here and find out where you live. Preacher, says Jojo, you're sitting in my parlour. That bench was his parlour. That was his house, he felt. Well, where do you go when it rains? He said, I moved down to my suite in the subway. That's where he went when it rains. Jojo had on a pair of old canvas shoes. His toe was sticking out on the right foot. He had on a dirty black shirt and a pair of khaki trousers that were too big for him. He looked down at my shoes they were brand new. And right when I was rem- then, I was remembering my granddad's muddy boots and kicking myself for being a fool. Jojo said, look, rich man, it's all right for you to come here to New York and talk big about God changing lives. You've got new shoes. You've got a suit of clothes that match. Look at me. I'm a bum. There are 10 kids in my family. We're on relief. They kick me out when there wasn't enough food to go round. Jojo was right. Then and there, on the public park bench, I took off my shoes. And asked him to try them on. What's the gimmick? What are you trying to prove? That you've got heart or something? I'm not going to put on your stinking shoes. You've been griping about your shoes. Put them on. Jojo said, I never had new shoes. Put them on. So, sullenly, Jojo put on the shoes. Then I got up and I walked away. I walked down the street in my stocking feet, about two blocks to the car. It was quite a circus. People were looking and laughing. Just as I got to the car, little Jojo came up behind me and said, you forgot your shoes. David said, they're your shoes now. I got in the car. Preacher, Jojo said, reaching inside the open window. I forgot to shake your hand. So we shook, and then I said, look, you don't have any place to live, and I'm bumming a bed myself right now, but there's a couch in the living room. Maybe the folks who took me in will take you in too. Let's go and ask them. Okay, said Jojo. Just like that, Jojo got in. And we drove to the apartment. It's amazing, isn't it? The impact of that simple 
gift. I have to say, I've never thought of just taking my shoes off and giving them to somebody who doesn't have them. Have you? But it's a real challenge, isn't it? Because the impact of that gift was huge. Do you know, giving is a really difficult topic. And uh, please understand, this is not about money. It's about heart. It's about your heart. And, and, and it's about my heart. And I found preparing this very difficult. I'm certainly no expert. Let's take you to another uh, uh, verse, uh, more verses in Scripture. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. You'll know these. It's the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? That's what Jesus said. And he said to them, Take care to be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up his treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. As I was studying this, um, one of the comments was that giving is a theological cardiogram. What I mean by that, it's a test of your heart. Because where your treasure is, there is your heart also. In order to grab the topic, I'm kind of dotting around a bit, and my next thought was uh, uh, I had the privilege with Andrea of uh, meeting a friend from my last church a couple of weeks ago, Jill Richards. She was in the last two weeks, or the last week actually, of her life. She was there at the Pilgrim's Hospice being amazingly looked after, but it was a real privilege to hear her talk and to pray with her. I suppose in that when you know you're in the last weeks of your life, things come into focus a bit, don't they? And her focus was really on one thing only. She loved to talk, Jill, and she talked to us about all the people she'd talked to about Jesus. This person came in to care for me, and I told them about Jesus. This person came to do this, and I told them about Jesus. That was her heart. She wasn't worried about the other things in life. They weren't focusing on her, but at the end of her life, She was focusing on what's important. So what is important? Okay, here's a challenging quote. There's a few challenging quotes here. If you like quotes, here's one from John Wesley. He says this. The last part of a person to get saved is their wallet. (laughs) And it's true, isn't it? 
I have to say, when I got saved, yes, Lord Jesus, I give my all to you, but not when the offering's coming around. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? You, you just think, well, come on, how do I... It, it makes a difference. It gets more challenging, some of the things he says. John Wesley, some of the things he said. He said this, It's not how much of my money I will give to God, but how much of God's money I will keep. <laughs> what a preacher. I wouldn't have wanted to be in there when he said that, would you? <laughs> oh, dearie me. But of course, it's, it's not about the money, although the Bible does say a lot about the money. I've heard it said that the New Testament talks a lot about money, but I didn't know how much. I wonder if you do. So, Artie Kendall, the great Bible teacher, says this. He says, there are 500 verses in the New Testament that are to do with faith, saving faith, having faith for things, believing God in faith, repentance and faith. 500 verses. How much can we find out about faith? And money? 500 on faith? How many about money? 2,350. Jesus talked about money all the time. In terms of preparing this, there were multitudes of verses. And as I go through, you say, well, he hasn't used that one. And he hasn't used that one because there are so many verses about money. But you see, it's not necessarily about the money. Because for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, 1 Timothy 6 Verse 10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I want to just challenge you this morning. Where is your heart? Or even this, where is your security? I know my instant reaction is money. If I've got some money, I want to keep it for a rainy day. Just in case something goes wrong, I can then be secure in the money. But of course, it's not about the money, is it? Our security is in Jesus. When trouble comes, we need Jesus. Actually, security and money is false. My um, mind then twisted and turned a bit as it does, and I thought, what did I say when I first became a Christian to Jesus? Do you know when we first become a Christian, we go through, don't we, a process. Somebody talks through the process of becoming a Christian, of turning away from our sins, repenting, of following Jesus and, and making him Lord of our life. It's that kind of phrase we use, didn't it? Admit, believe, come, do, that, those kind of phrases. Well, what did you actually say when you did that? What, what did you say? Maybe some of you haven't made that step yet, but many of us have here. What, what were the words you actually said? I've got a few of them here. Maybe these are the kind of words you said. Maybe it was this. I come before you now to offer myself to you, Lord God, all of me, my body, my mind, and my soul. All I have, all I am, are yours and yours alone. All that I have. Interesting. How about Journey Into Life? Anybody here go through Journey Into Life? Many of us will know that traditional booklet that, met, that was a kind of thing that you led people to Jesus with. What did that say about it? And uh, the phrase that I've picked out from Journey Into Life is this, and I will serve you all the remaining years of my life 
in complete obedience. Does that include your wallet? Feeling uncomfortable yet? I say that because I know the next chapter I'm using. You know, there's some parts of the Bible you just wish weren't there. Yeah? I'm not talking about maybe Exodus or or Deuteronomy that you think I can't get through, but the bits that are so challenging, you just think, I just wish it wasn't there. Well, this is one of the passages, and I really didn't want to use it today, (laughs) but I felt it's the right thing to do. And you'll probably get an idea of what I'm going to use. It's Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. And this was Jesus. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had and all she had to live on. Um, This is not a recommendation, but I just want you to think a moment about putting into the offering all you have to live on. Where will my next meal come from? How how will I pay the bills? How will I pay the mortgage? What what will I do? Surely that's foolishness. She put in all she had to live on. The, The other thing I find amazing about this story is I wouldn't have trusted those people with the temple, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, with my money. I wouldn't have trusted what they did with it. They were doing some ridiculous things and probably some very godly things as well. So it wasn't about she knew she was giving it to the right place. She was just giving because she felt it was the right thing to do. All she had to live on. Now that is what I call sacrificial giving, isn't it? That really is sacrificial giving. Okay, let's move on quickly from that one. I thought that would ju- those are just my kind of early thoughts about giving and just to challenge us and encourage us to the, the godly um, way uh, of giving. It is, it is a strange thing and it is not something that really is understood by the world and is not in some ways logical except when you know Jesus and you've given him everything. Okay, so I'm just going to go through now three practical things. I'm going to go through why give. I'm going to go through some giving challenges. It is going to be challenging again, sorry. Giving challenges, and then it's how should we, or how should I give? So, first of all, why give? And the first thing in uh, Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you give. And a lot of the New Testament passages assume that we are givers. It's part of the assumption of being Christians. Matthew 6, interestingly uses this idea for giving. It says to lay up treasures in heaven. That actually when we're giving, we're laying up treasures. I don't understand rewards in heaven, but somehow we're laying up eternal treasures by giving away things that are earthly. And that is amazing. Why give? To build the church. Do you know there's nothing that could have happened this morning without the faithful giving 
of God's servants. And I know many of you have given faithfully to this church year after year after year. The PA, the music, the, 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 the chair, just being in this school to be able to have Steve as a full-time pastor, that's all through giving. That's all a reason to give to reach the nations with the gospel because actually church isn't about Sunday morning, is it? It's about our mission to Herne Bay, to the UK and to the rest of the world. And that's our reason for giving. A lot of the New Testament talks about blessing the poor with giving. It's about blessing those who don't have in the right way by giving. Why give? I think there's, there's another element, and I've alluded to it a number of times, this idea that somehow money becomes a stronghold in our life. We have to keep enough. We have to make sure our security is secure. But actually, giving breaks us out of that. It breaks us out of the, the worldly concept of security. And it says, my security in Jesus. It takes us away from that stronghold and said, I'm going to give because I'm going to give because it's the right thing to do and I trust Jesus. And I think my third, my last thing here is because it's just so rewarding. Giving is so good. Let me give you a a little story that I read about that. There was a man who had made a million dollars through business. And he was absolutely excited. He made business-wise a million dollars. So he decided, good Christian that he was, he would tithe a tenth of it. So he gave $100,000 to the church. Well, You know what happens in business, don't you? You have a good day and then you have a bad day. Well, he had a bad day and he lost all 900,000. And somebody came to him and said, you must feel a fool now because you've given away the rest of it, 100,000. He said, no, absolutely not. All that work I did, I now have seen the blessing of that because I was able to give. It is so rewarding to be able to give. But it is madness. Sorry. But it is. I don't know whether you've ever tried to explain Christian giving to somebody who's not a Christian. But it is just bizarre. I I had to do that um, at one stage with my boss. Not the boss I've got at the moment, but another boss. If you're listening, you're a fantastic boss. Um, And uh, it was was all at a school about a building project. And uh, I had a meeting, and he got a little bit nervous, and he said, well, just so you know, everybody else in the team is giving to the building project regularly. He said, but you're not. And I said, no, I'm not. And then something inside me just prompted me to say, you tell them what you give and how much you give. And so I said to him, well, let me just tell you what I do do in terms of giving. And he said, oh, yeah, I do. And then I told him that I was tithing to the church and it was this amount of money. And then there was element of giving to missions as well. And I could just see him saying, he gives that much? Are you mad? Are you absolutely mad? But it is, isn't it? It's a completely different mindset giving because we have Jesus as our Lord. We, we, our whole mindset is upside down. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give as Christians. Right. Okay. Giving challenges. So I've got uh, three challenges here for you. The first one is this, personal to invisible. It is great to give to one another, but it is re- I really, really enjoy giving invisibly. And what I mean by that is 
just praying, and you might get a sense that you want to give to somebody, and just putting an envelope through the door. Or it might be that you go up to, to Paul the treasurer and say, look, Paul, I'd really like to give somebody to the church. I don't want to know I'm doing it because they'll feel uncomfortable. Do you mind if I give it to you and you say, look, somebody's given this to, to, to you because they want to bless you? That's a great way of doing it. There's nothing better than coming into church and somebody going, can you believe it? It's so exciting. I've no idea where it's come from, but somebody's given us this money and we really needed it for the bills this week and God's done it. And you're going, hmm, I wonder where that's come from. But there's that real sense of, of, of joy in invisible giving. So that's the first one, personal to invisible. Number two, occasional to regular. Occasional to regular. I would encourage you to tithe regularly to the church. And what I mean that by that is give 10%. Now, you may say to me, look, Bob, you don't know my finances. You don't know what's going on, and I don't. I, I have no idea. But I do know that if you're a regular tither, you will be mightily blessed by God. And I would just say, if you're at the stage where you're questioning that and you're feeling it's difficult, then talk to one of the elders about that and say, look, how, how do I do this? What do you expect in my situation? Or what can I do in my situation? Help me with this. And I know um, that John is fantastic in the way that he describes tithing and talks about it. And Steve, really gracious and will really help you. Um, there is a large church in New Frontiers, and I listened to their talk on giving. And they said this, that only a third of their church, a very well-known church, if I mentioned to you, you'd, you'd, many of you would recognise it, only a third of their church give regularly, but that third pay, give 90% of the church's income. Giving regularly to the church makes a huge difference. And as we move on from here to the vibe, as we move on in what God's got for us, we will need to be those regular givers. And of course, those who have looked at the, the, um, the accounts for the church, you'll know that each year we're not quite paying our bills, are we? It's not far off, but we're not quite there. But to do that is all about faithful, faithful giving, as I know many of you have been year after year here at the church. Artie Kendall, who I mentioned earlier, um, he says this, I suggest one of the best ways for a Christian to learn how to handle money is to be a consistent tither. That will help you learn how to handle money. Another phrase that I picked up from a, um, an academic uh, journal uh, about tithing says this, tithing is not God's way of raising money. It's God's way of raising children. You see, it's not about the money. It's about your heart. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I've talked about personal to invisible, occasional to regular, and then the third one is regular and outrageous. And this is where perhaps some of the sacrificial stuff coming in comes in. Giving to the poor, giving to mission, being spontaneous as well as faithful, getting a sense of what God's saying and giving. I'm going to give you one personal example. I'm not, this is not to um, blow my own trumpet at all, but this is something that we did. We had a time when we couldn't give to a church, and so we started to kind of keeping the money in a particular account to do that. And we went to see some friends, and their washing machine blew up, and we knew they didn't have enough money for a washing machine. And we said, brilliant, 
Fantastic. That's what we've been saving the money for. Brilliant. Can we take you out now and buy you a washing machine? How much that blessed them. It was just such a blessing. And it blessed me. I still remember it now. It's the best few hundred quid I've probably ever spent. Because it gives, gave me such joy. And I suppose it's time to talk now about a special offering that you will see in the um, uh, update. So we have, as a church, a special offering on Sunday the 19th, which is next week, um, to cover the costs of moving to our new home at Vibe the following month. And we are already purchasing, as a church, equipment and arranging alterations on the venue. And we'd love you to consider, this is what Steve said in the update, we'd love you to consider participating financially in this exciting next chapter in Beacon Story. Please do pray about how much you would like to contribute. So there we go. There's a few challenges for you. And I thought, in terms of concluding, we should just talk about how we give. What's our heart behind giving? Luke 6, verse 38 says this. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Be generous. We should be a generous people, shouldn't we? We should be the people that people want to spend time with because they know that we're generous-hearted people. There's many things said about giving and getting back, and I'm not going to get into if you give a pound, you'll get back two pounds. That's not what I believe. I just believe if you are generous, God will be generous with you. And hasn't he been generous in our salvation? Hasn't he been generous in saving us and rescuing us? Hasn't he been generous? We can't ever outgive God because he has given us eternal life. And he will bless us. Number two, be sacrificial. Be sacrificial. Sometimes giving is hard. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2 to 3, Paul talks about the Macedonians in this way. He says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. When you give, there are times when it will hurt. It is a sacrificial thing. So be generous, be sacrificial. The next one is give voluntarily. There should never be any pressure to give. You should never feel twisted or manipulated into it. It should come from your heart of a desire to give. There should be no guilt and no pressure, because you see, it's not about the money. And the final one is be cheerful. Be cheerful. It's a, such a great thing to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we love giving cheerfully. We love to be a cheerful people. I hope I have served you well this morning in talking about giving. Um, And I've just thought, how do I finish this? How do we do that? 
And uh, I'm going to just go back to Andy Kind for a moment last week. He gave us a challenge, didn't he? Do you remember what that challenge was? It was to say to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, Jesus, God loves you. And I had a... This is great fun. My mum has been in hospital this week and uh, Andrea started talking to her about prayer. My mum doesn't know Jesus at all. And um, I was across the other end and I thought, I've got my chance now. I can say it. Because a lot of times I can't say it in terms of my work and stuff. So I said, probably at 200 miles an hour, Jesus loves you. I don't know whether she heard. I have no idea. But I did what I said I would do, even though I thought, oh gosh, I can't do that. So I thought I would set you some homework, as Andy did. (laughs) It's fair, isn't it? If he can set homework, so can I. Teacher's prerogative, homework. So I don't particularly necessarily want to pray at the end or anything. I just want to set you some homework. And the homework is this. To go home after this and to talk with the person that's closest to you. So it might be a partner. It might be somebody that you share closely with. Um, Heck, if you've got nobody to talk to about it, talk to Steve or to John or to David. And just to discuss your giving. Just to say, look, this is what we give. How do we feel about it? Just a discussion about giving. The danger is always on a Sunday, isn't it? You hear a lovely message and you say, well done, preacher, that's fantastic. And then you wait for the next one next week without any change in between. And my heart, my heart is today that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I'm sending you some homework. Okay. Thank you very much.